Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Horse.com's Ask the Vet Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of the Horse.com. Tonight's Ask the Vet Live topic is winter horse and barn care, and it is brought to you by the horse, Horses Monthly Farm and Barn Newsletter. You can register for the Horse.com and sign up and to receive all of our great newsletters by visiting the Horse.com. So, okay, burr. It's that time of year where Unless you're living in the southern states or in California, you're probably wrestling with bucket heaters and whether or not to blanket your horse. So we're here tonight to help you out. We're going to be answering your questions about cold weather horse care. I am joined tonight by Dr. Nancy Loving of Loving Equine Clinic in Boulder, Colorado, and Elaine Blickley of Horses for Clean Water, and Elaine is based out of Nampa, Idaho. Welcome, uh, Dr. Loving and Elaine. Thank you. Thank you. So you Thank you. Are, Glad to be here. <laughs> you are both, like me, uh, living in places where we do have these chilly winters. Um, but I want to start with you, Dr. Loving. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience managing horses where, uh, where it's cold? Yeah, um, I live in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, about 7,000 feet. I've ridden horses in this area for 40 years and done veterinary practice in this area for 30 years. So I've, I, hopefully I can shed some light on some of the questions that people are asking. I know there are lots of concerns, uh, especially when we get to these super frigid temperatures. And uh, I have my own horses, so I can tell you from personal experience. And Elaine, can you tell us a little bit about your experience managing and working with not only horses in cold climates, but also farms and barns? Sure. So I have reining horses, and I'm also an environmental educator that works with horse owners on land management practices. And I've lived in the Midwest uh, where it's snowing and cold and everything. Um, as well as in western Washington, where it rains a lot. And so I've dealt with super rainy, muddy winters and tackled those. And then now we live in Idaho, in southwestern Idaho, where it's not as much precipitation, but it's pretty cold in the wintertime. But I've also worked all over the country um, in Alaska um, in Australia, and so I've dealt with a lot of different kinds of climates as far as land management and horse keeping. Okay. So for everyone who's listening live, we've gathered up some resources on thehorse.com for you about managing horses in cold weather. As you're listening along, you're welcome to go look at those resources. Just don't close out the browser that you're in currently. If your browser window closes, you you won't be able to hear us, but you can open another window and you can go to thehorse.com slash winter horse care and sign up to get all of those resources. For the next hour, we're going to be fielding your questions, ones that you sent to us ahead of time and also ones that you send to us live. If you have a live question, you can enter it in your browser window in the console in front of you, uh, along with your, your name and where you're from. We have an hour, so let's go ahead and get started with some questions that were submitted ahead of time. I'm going to start with you, Elaine. We have a question from uh, Rebecca, and Rebecca wants to know, what is an easy way come spring to get rid of all of the hair on our horses? So I like this question, and we're starting out with this because it's thinking optimistically of warmer weather. 
That's good, Michelle. Yes, that's. Uh, I'm excited about this question, too, actually. And that's because one of my favorite things to do with horse hair or dog hair or any kind of animal hair is to set it, to save it, like maybe in a pillowcase or something that's breathable like that. And then in the springtime, when the weather does start to shift, set it out in cuffs on your lawn or in your pasture. And birds will use it for nesting material. It's uh, a great resource for them to have. And it's kind of fun later on in the year when you find a nest that's been discarded and you see your horse's mane and tail hairs in it. It like, makes you feel proud, I think, a little bit. I had a pony when I was a kid that had a white mane and tail, and I remember always finding the bird nests with his creamy mane and tail in it. So that is, that is fun. Um, yeah. Let's let's go to our uh, next question from for Doctor Loving, and it's from Suki in Massachusetts. And Suki wants to know how you can tell if your horse is too cold. Does a horse shiver? She says, silly question, she knows, but I don't think it's silly at all. Uh, Dr. Loving, how can we tell if our horses are cold? Yeah, that is not a silly question, actually. I used to get a lot of phone calls from clients. My horse is shivering, what do I do? Uh, that's a natural response to cold. Muscles shiver to generate heat, and so that's actually a good thing. The horse is warming itself, just like you would be stamping around in the cold outside, moving, and their muscles are moving, so that gets some heat going. Um, if your horse has a decent layer of fat, not not talking about obese, I'm just talking about a nice layer of covering over the ribs, and a good hair coat with a fluffy loft in it, he isn't likely to get cold. Uh, the other thing is one thing that you can do to help these horses generate heat from the inside out is feed more hay during big cold snaps because their large colon digests that and the metabolism involved in digestion is going to generate body heat. What happens when you have a horse that's too thin or one that's clipped or if the horse gets wet from rain and then the temperature drops, that's when problems arise and because that wetness loses the loft in the hair coat. And so those horses may need some additional blanketing help. Um, but in general, horses are extremely well adapted to cold, and you think about them, they turn their backs to the wind and huddle in a group, kind of like the uh, Antarctic penguins that you've seen on the movies, right? And so they seem to do quite well. Um, I, I don't think that you're going to have too much trouble because they are well cold adapted. So, Dr. Loving, where I'm located in Oregon in the high desert, we have a lot of temperature extremes. So, it will be warm during the day, but very, very cold at night and in the mornings. And I've gone out when I haven't had my horses blanketed, and I've found one of them in particular shivering. It's usually after he's lost quite a bit of his, his winter coat. And my instinct is always to cover him up with blankets once he starts shivering. Is he struggling if he's shivering, or is that just his natural response to being cold? No, that's a really good question, and it is his natural response to being cold. Um, I guess what I would say about blanketing is once you begin that, you're sort of committed to it, particularly, you know, late fall, and because these horses won't necessarily grow such a great winter coat. And so that means people need to think about this, that you have to be available to throw that blanket on your horse at odd times. Um, general rule that I tell my clients might be 10 degrees or below, um, for some people might want to do this at 20 degrees. Other maybe want to wait till it's zero or less than that. Um, if your horse has a good hair coat and it has a good loft to it and there's a little bit of insulation from a good layer of fat, 
And especially if you have a run-in shed, you shouldn't need to blanket. But that said, blanketing does conserve calories, so it's possible to keep better weight on a hard keeper by not having him work so hard to, to stay warm. Um, and the other thing that's really important about blanketing is, is you have this on at night, and as you say, there are temperature extremes. You must take it off in the day or they're going to overheat, and then they sweat, and then they potentially can get chilled with that. And I'll just tell you a little anecdote. One of my horses, uh, I had him boarded out at uh, about 400 acres of foothill pasture, and so he had he lived a great life of Riley, and, and uh, he'd come in at night and spend all night with his buddies and eat food, and my friend would stand there with a blanket, and if he wanted it on, he would ask for it, and if he didn't, he'd just turn his back to her and walk away. And so he, he knew when he that he actually some nights he wanted it. So these guys do very well without it, but just you know, keep in mind that it is a commitment once you start. And there is some research that we have covered on the horse.com about horses that have selected whether or not they want to be blanketed. And it's, it's really interesting uh, equitation science research. So if anyone's listening and is interested in that, go ahead and do a search for that article. Uh, maybe my news editor who is listening in right now and receiving your questions can send me a uh, a number for that article and I can give that to everyone while you're listening. Uh, our next question is for Susan in, is from Susan in Cincinnati and it's for Dr. Loving. It's kind of a follow-up to this question about blanketing. Big question. We got lots of questions about blanketing specifically. Uh, Susan says that she has no indoor shelter for her horses. She said this is the first year that they've been without a barn. Uh, she has also blanketed them every year. She said she's hearing conflicting rules of thumb on blanketing horses or not, when to blanket, etc. What are the best rules for blanketing, uh, especially if they don't have access to shelter? Well, obviously, if a horse's body clipped, they will need to be blanketed. That goes without saying, right? And I think it's going to depend a lot on how your horse's physical state, you know, general body condition is. And if they have a good hair coat and some layer of flesh on their bodies, they really shouldn't need to be blanketed. If you live in a very windy climate and there's no way to get uh, the ho- for the horse to get behind some trees or some sort of a shelter or other horses, then you might want to blanket in those conditions when it's cold and damp and windy. Um, But like I said, I would like to see a general rule of maybe less than 15 or 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And if it gets down below zero, you know, that might be a cause to throw a blanket on a horse. The other thing is some horses um, can eat all the hay that they want without getting too fat, and that generates a tremendous amount of body heat from the inside. So if that horse is able to, to eat continually through the night on those cold nights, then you may not need to blanket. But some horses are fat and yet they still get cold, Uh, particularly an older horse, you might want to blanket uh, those horses on a regular basis just because their systems are a little bit more compromised than the general mature horse. And Dr. Loving, I'm someone who tries not to blanket if I don't have to just because I keep my horses at home and I find it's extra work for me to have to take blankets on and off all the time. And my horses are very comfortable with their shelters, uh, even, even when it's in those really low temperatures. But I did on my horse that's, that I'm currently riding and getting ready to compete in the spring, I went ahead and did a chest clip on him. Once you've compromised their coat like that, have you committed yourself to blanketing the horse throughout the winter? Yes, I believe so. I can't imagine what that must be like. Well, I can't imagine if I go outside here without a coat. Uh, you know, that's how that horse is going to feel too. So you've taken away their insulation by taking away the hair. 
and so you you do then need to blanket. Okay. Uh, Elaine, our next um, question. And Mich- Michelle, I was just going to throw in that I uh, clip my reining horses that I'm competing on in the spring. I just clip them under the blanket, and not, <clears throat> not their neck or legs, kind of what I'd call a blanket clip. But I was also going to throw in that smart pack, oh, and then I, I blanket them then when I'm not riding them. It's so much easier to cool them out when they're not sweaty, you know, have with all that fur and the fur gets soaked. But I was going to also mention that smart pack has a really cool app, a blanketing app that's a lot of fun. Okay. Thanks, Elaine. Um, and I would agree with that. You know, when with my own horse, I did make that decision to do the chest clip on him, and it was a hard decision because, like I said, I really didn't want a blanket this winter. Um, but I, I ride him in in the late afternoon, and I couldn't get him dry by the time I needed to turn him out to feed him. So, um, anyway, sometimes it, it, we make compromises when when we're managing horses, and and there's no clear right decision. Um, our next question is for Elaine, and it's from Cindy in California. And Cindy says that during the rainy winter months, her stall turnouts get extremely muddy. She said that she's heard suggestions of putting decomposed granite and or sand in the dirt mud areas to mitigate the muddy conditions. She said she's con- concerned about the horses picking at, uh, up the sand and during uh, the dry weather, do you have any suggestions for her on how to mitigate mud without compromising her horse's health? Sure. And I assume by her saying picking at the ground that she means that they might, she, is she concerned maybe that they're going to eat some of the footing? I, I, don't, I don't see that being an issue with, um, with footing that's like... Organic. I've seen it with footing that's uh, made from like wood chips, but I don't see horses going out of their way to necessarily to eat the uh, sand or gravel or crushed rock. But on um, mitigating the mud, um, I have three really good suggestions, easy ones for her. And the first one is to have gutters and downspouts up on the barn and in sacrifice areas and in high traffic areas, um, any place where you have a building. And so you have a gutter across the roof to catch the water. And then, I mean, a, a, yeah, a gutter and then a downspout. And then the downspout should direct the water, the roof runoff away from those confinement areas and from the high traffic areas. And that will make a huge difference right there as far as the amount of mud and then picking up manure regularly at least every couple of days because the manure is going to decompose and turn into more mud in the paddocks, in the confinement areas. And then using some type of footing, and then the purpose of the footing is to get the horse up off of the soil and to not allow for more erosion and uh, to help with the drainage. So. There's different kinds of footing choices. It depends on what's available. She mentioned decomposed granite, which is good, and sand is a really traditional one, Um, different kinds of crushed rock. But you want to pick something that's not going to be dusty, that's going to be maybe washed so it doesn't have a lot of fines in it. 
And then, as she was mentioning or alluding to, you don't want to feed your horses in in those areas. You should feed them in a stall or a shelter where it's dry and they're not going to to ingest any soil particles or sand or dirt. And so, Elaine, is it... When you're building an arena, you have to create a base for 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 your footing. Do we need to pull all of that organic material out of our paddocks and create a base first before we put on something that's that's not going to have mud, or can we just add to what's already existing, or does it depend on the individual conditions? Well, it does kind of depend on the individual conditions, and it also depends on what kind of footing and what kind of soil. But a rule of thumb is, is that it's going to be a lot better if you can take take that organic material out because otherwise you're just throwing footing in there and it's going to sink down into that mud until it gets, you know, a firmer surface underneath. So I usually do recommend that some, that people hire somebody or, or take their tractor and a bucket and scrape off the most organic material and be sure to slope it away from their barn so that they have a good base that's going to help pull water away from a barn instead of towards the barn and then put your footing on top of it. Okay. Our next question is a follow-up to the mud question. This is for you, Dr. Loving. Dave is in Washington and he says that he lives in a wet state and his pastures are always wet and muddy. I grew up on the Puget Sound. I know what that's like. Um, He wants to know if it will affect his horses in a negative way to have them standing in the mud during the winter. Is it is it bad for their feet? Okay, well, first I want to just preface this by saying uh, that my philosophy as a veterinarian and healthcare uh, administrator to horses is that it's best for them to be outside in, a, in an outside area 24-7. I don't really like bringing horses into a barn when possible. Um, that way they're, they're getting good uh, respiratory uh, environment for their airways and they're not exposed to ammonia and dust and debris and endotoxin that's, that comes circulating because of manure contamination in the environment. So I would prefer to see the horses out. So if they're in the wet, muddy area, um, a couple things to add to what Elaine said is that uh, we use pea gravel around here. It works very well for uh, a footing base. I don't know. It should be available just about anywhere, I would think. It's kind of a washed gravel, and that keeps them off the mud and the soil pretty much, and it drains well. So to directly answer his question, if there's a lot of mud, I think what you have to do is clean the feet daily and remove all the packed material and gravel out of the hooves so they don't get any white line pressure or um, sole pressure and potentially corns or abscesses. And also remember that exercise is extremely good for hoof cleaning, just a natural process of uh, scuffing off all the debris that's on the foot as they travel. So I don't think the mud's going to be a negative as long as there's routine daily hygiene and care. Okay. Our next question is from Elaine and it's or for Elaine, and it's from Brianna in Ohio, and she wants to know if a horse will drink from a bucket of water if there's ice in in the bucket. Um, 
I would say that um, Dr. Loving might have uh, be able to provide some input on this too, but I, I would say it depends on the horse. I've, all the horses that I've had and that I've worked with, um, as far as I know, they, you know, they'll still break through thin ice and they'll, they'll drink around, you know, they'll push the ice around, they'll play with the ice. Some of them will. Um, you know, so, I mean, add to that too, if, if they won't drink with ice in it, they, they would have lost a bazillion horses in this area. <laughs> there's always ice unless you have a tank heater and it, um, I've never seen it be a problem. Um, I, I do want to add one thing, though, that I've had a personal experience with a tank heater uh, shorting out, and it wasn't shorting out so badly that I could put my hand in the tank and feel it, but darn, those horses would not drink. They would put their muzzles down, and they desperately wanted to drink, and they just wouldn't because it's light is short. So if people are using tank heaters, that's something to keep in mind. I've experienced I, that as well, Dr. Loving. And I have seen that happen as well too but Dr. Loving maybe I might ask you a question here I've heard um, I've heard it said that older horses or horses with dental problems may not want to drink really cold water do you see that being an uh, issue that is a good point and it's, and it's true so people need to be very sensitive to their individual horses and if they see their horse isn't drinking well then they may want to bring warmer water out for them or have a, a specific tank heater in for that horse. Okay. And so we have an answer to the article earlier that I mentioned uh, about blanketing the horses and the horses communicating their blanketing preferences. So if our live audience is interested in that, that is at thehorse.com slash 34718. Um, Dr. Loving, can you tell us a little bit about the concerns about our horses not drinking during the winter? Why do we want our horses to stay hydrated even when it's cold out? Yeah, typically a horse will need anywhere from 7 to 20 gallons of water a day, and the 7 would be more in the colder months. But um, you figure a certain amount per per horse is a minimum. And if they don't drink enough, then they dehydrate. And that means that their intestinal contents dehydrate, and then you will end up with an impaction colic, or potentially the intestinal tract will just become sluggish and develop a lot of gas and fluid in there, and then could potentially uh, experience a displacement and, and surgery. So drinking is very important, especially when they're eating hay and, and other dry feed materials, because they need a lot of water to process it. Uh, and Dr. Loving, I don't think I've ever spent a warm night on colic watch in the barn. <laughs> it's always been on a cold night uh, when I've managed uh, large groups of horses. Uh, we have some questions from our live audience. Dr. Loving, I'm going to toss this one your way. This is from Sharon in Indiana. She wants to know how long can a horse safely go without water in the winter? And I, this is an interesting question because I was just at the A. AAEP conference that we're covering for, for the horse, and I sat in on a feral horse and Mustang session, and they talked about how long these horses will go without water or traveling from water to water. So do we know for our domestic horses how long they can go without it? Well, that's interesting about the Mustangs, because I used to, when I got out of school, I practiced in Reno, Nevada for a couple of years, and uh, I saw the wild horses all the time when I was riding and all, and they go for a huge distance in time. You know, they'll go 12 hours between drinks. Our domestic horses, because they're eating hay, it turns into a whole different situation than the wild horses that are grazing 
grass and forbs. The grass has a lot of water in it. Forbs are little bushes and shrubs. And um, our horses need more water to digest. And I would hope that they would have some access to water somewhere between 6 and 8 or 12 hours at the most, um, if possible. And if that means, you know, you turn them out in a big pasture and you can't provide water to them out there, then at least give them a place they can come in and have a drink. Our next question is from Kelly in North Carolina. And Kelly says that she's already had a case of impaction colic with her mare this winter. Um, And she says, what can she do to make sure it doesn't happen again? Dr. Loving? Um, a couple things would be to feed some kind of a, a wetted food, whether it's a complete feed pellet that's made into a gruel or beet pulp pellets that are soaked for six to eight hours in water um, before you feed them so that they swell up to size. Um, and then you could even wet the hay, and all these things will help. I think a lot of people try to give salt as an additive, and if the horse isn't going to drink well or eat well because the salt is irritating their mouths, that might be counterproductive. So I'd put free choice salt out. I wouldn't force feed it if possible. So Elaine, from the barn management side, what recommendations do you have for horse owners to make sure that the horses do have access to water around the clock? Um, I really like the uh, automatic waters, the kind that are good for cold climates. They, uh, we have in our barns here, and then when we're in western Washington as well, we have um, a kind of automatic water that's buried, and then the water itself is insulated, and then you can also put heaters in there too, so if you get like a Montana kind of winter, you can uh, put the heaters in it, and then your horses always have water, and you don't have to be worrying about it. So it keep those these kinds of waters. They keep the water cool in the summer, and then warm in the winter because it's using the geothermic principles of of uh, conducting heat and and um, insulation from the ground. So I've spent a lot of time. Uh, out breaking ice in water troughs. And Dr. Loving, I'm sure you have clients that, that do that as well. I now have heaters. It took one winter without electricity to my water troughs for us to get those in the next spring. Um, but Dr. Loving, what recommendations do you have for your horse owners who are breaking the ice? Do you have to break all the ice in the trough or do you just need a space no. where the horse can access and then they'll start breaking it themselves? Yes, that's that's correct. You need to make a hole because if you break all the ice, it will just freeze over. And I just want to say also, don't hold your flashlight over the uh, bucket because once I did that in minus 30 for two weeks and my flashlight was still at the bottom of the bucket. <laughs> and especially don't oh. use your iPhone flashlight. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow, that's funny. I had a, but, I had a friend who did that. If you look at wild horses or, or horses, I, um, the, that big pasture I was I referred to where my horse lives, uh, 400 acres, and there's a river, and they just break a little hole in the ice, and that's all you really need, um, as long as they can get their muzzle in there. But if you can take all of the ice out, it'll keep it from refreezing as quickly. Yeah, uh, we've got a little net kind of thing for our troughs that are like out in the turnout areas, and if if we want to make sure it's going to last all day, we'll we'll fish out all the broken pieces of ice out of there so it doesn't refreeze as quickly. 
Our next question is for Dr. Loving. It's from Dana in Alberta, Canada, a very cold place. Uh, Dana wants to know what she can give her 27-year-old gelding to help him retain his weight this winter. She said that he's given hay all day and one large margarine container of oats at night. Is there anything else that she can be feeding him to help him hold his weight? She says his weight is good right now, but he usually ends up quite thin during the spring, or at least was last year. She said his teeth have been done in, or were done in September, and he has access to a salt block and plenty of fresh water. Dr. Loving, what are your suggestions for our older horses that need a little extra help? Yeah, this, I want to say one thing in preface for any age horse is that I think people get um, mistaken on how well their horse is doing because from a distance you look at them and they're all fuzzy and you cannot tell what their body condition is. So you really need to teach yourself to constantly run your hands across the rib cage and you only want to be able to feel with light pressure the last two ribs. If you feel other ribs, then they're too thin. And so many people have called me and said, hey, my horse is shedding out and he's just gaunt as all get out. I didn't realize he was so skinny. So that's just uh, one way to manage um, monitoring your horse. But there are some great high-calorie foods that are safer than grain by a lot. For instance, um, any kind of vegetable oil and or rice bran, and you can feed up to uh, you know one cup twice a day to most every horse, starting it out slowly. And any of these products you would want to build up over maybe two or three weeks to full, to full amount. Uh, beet pulp pellets that are soaked for six to eight hours are a wonderful supplement with a high-calorie, high-fiber, but without the the disadvantages of carbohydrates that you see in corn oats or barley grains. Um, complete feed pellets are wonderful because they can eat that and get a co- concentrated amount of food without getting full, which is what happens to a lot of these old horses. And those pellets contain about 25% grain but are mostly forage-based. And then sometimes you need to feed a small amount of alfalfa as a supplement for the older horse. And one more um, point that I want to say that's just general maintenance is it's important to weigh the food so you know exactly how much you're giving that horse rather than just doing it by volume um, because every substance weighs differently. And in, in a nutshell, you should talk to your vet about the appropriate amount of supplement to feed because this is going to vary per, per each horse and your veterinarian would have a better idea for that individual. Thank you, Dr. Loving. Our next question is for Elaine, and we're going back to the horses with the heavy winter coats and being sweaty. This question is from Paula in Colorado, and Paula says that her horse has a very, very heavy winter coat. Uh, She says she usually only trail rides, but this winter she has joined a group that's doing quadrille in a heated arena. She said it's very cold coming out afterwards, and he is very sweaty. She says she puts on a wool cooler on him and later a fleece cooler cooler to and then his warm winter blanket what else can she do to help keep him healthy so elaine as someone who is schooling and working horses in cold climates what recommendations do you have for paula yeah that sounds like um i'm also a horse for h leader and it sounds like um this is what happens in my lessons with my kids but when we're done that their courses are super um you know, they have a super winter coat, heavy winter coat, and so they're all sweaty when we're done. And I make them put on coolers and um, hand lead their horses around and wait till they dry out. 
um, before they leave, we, we end early to end our practices so that they can cool their horses out. Um, other things that you can do is put on, uh, you know, multiple coolers. You can also have, um, in our barn, we have infrared heat lamps and in the wash rack area. And in the wintertime, we use those when our horses are sweaty. And then also the, if they're going to, if she's interested in blanketing, if she wants to blanket clip in the areas or clip them in the areas where they sweat a lot, like you were saying in their chest area, uh, or their flanks, or their shoulders, um, and, and then cover them with a blanket. Um, and if they're going to be outdoors with a turnout blanket, that's going to be waterproof. So that would be another option then. Okay. We have a follow-up question from Lynn in Kentucky in our live audience. Lynn wants to know if a body-clipped horse should wear a quarter sheet when it's working during the winter. And if so, at what temperature would a quarter sheet be beneficial when, when they're working under saddle? Elaine, do you have your kids use quarter sheets when they're, uh, when they're working their, their clipped horses? Oh, boy, I'd love it if they did. Um, and I think it's a great idea. I have never used one, but it seems like a wonderful idea to me, like Dr. Loving was saying, if you go outside without a coat on, when it's really cold, you're you're going to get cold and those muscles are going to cramp up. So if they have a quarter sheet and can warm them up and cool them down with that, uh, at least that, that would be a great idea. And as far as the temperature, I guess I would say if it's below freezing would be my guess, but maybe, maybe Dr. Loving would have a, um, some more input on that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an old endurance rider. So when I trained, I trained hard and I didn't ever clip my horses. So, yeah, a quarter seat, I think when it's down around 20 or below, that's probably a big help. And I, I'll add that I really like the quarter sheets that actually cover the rider as well because they keep me warm <laughs> while I'm warming up my horse. Um, yeah, next- those, those kind look wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, our next question is for Dr. Loving, and it's from Nancy in Minnesota. And this is a question about medication she wants to know if butte will degrade if it's left in a cold barn you know lots of us have our medications and we keep them in in our barns that may not be heated um, should she be concerned about using butte after it's gotten cold she said that she knows that getting warm isn't great for it okay well in a nutshell it's always best to follow the manufacturer's recommendations for storage of medications and they have those recommendations there because that's the way those drugs were tested. And probably um, in the case of a powdered butte, it's not going to be degraded very much if it gets cold, but it may lose some of its efficacy. You know, it just won't work as well. And so you end up giving a drug that you didn't need to give because it's not working, but it still has its adverse effects on the kidney and gastrointestinal functions. So any any drugs you have in your horse trailer even or and your tack room, I would bring them inside during the winter so they stay at a constant temperature. Um, temper var- temperature variations could cause degradation, and you don't want to do that because it won't be as effective. So in any case, I would not let it freeze. And I'm one of those people that doesn't have a heated uh 
attack room. And I would add that uh, if your paste banamine is out in your first aid kit in your cold shed, it's uh, going to be a popsicle <laughs> when you actually need it um, during the winter. So I would recommend bringing that inside as well and, and keeping that in, in a temperature controlled climate. Um, we have a question that came in from our live audience from Dana in Alabama. Uh, Dr. Loving, this is for you. She said, "Are there?" she wants to know if there are any concerns or things that you should be watching for if you're free feeding three horses from an 1,100 pound round bale during the winter months. She says that she gets rain and the bale is not covered, but that it's excellent quality hay. What should she be looking out for? I think it depends on how long those bales are out there. And if you have three horses working on them, then they're probably gone within a week, I would think. And um, the big thing you worry about with um, bales like that is uh, botulism. And so we don't have a big problem with that here because most people don't use that. So I would converse with your veterinarian specifically for your area about what concerns you might have regarding botulism. Okay. And Elaine, for those who do want to free feed their horses forage, especially during the winter, do you have any management recommendations on how to offer that feed to the horses without them, one, hoovering it all at once or making a mess of it in their stall? Well, there's a lot of slow feeders that are really nice that will um, allow the horses to eat a smaller amount over a period of time. Um, I like to see the hay someplace where it's not going to get wet or muddy. So in like a shelter or some kind of cover, if that's possible, especially for a a longer period of time. Um, I've got a type of corner feeder. I feed uh, three times a day and I use a corner feeder and I feed in those and it works great as far as the horse is not pulling hay out. I mean, they barely... Now, I rarely see, like, even one uh, piece of hay on the ground that they've pulled out. So that keeps the hay clean and, uh, you know, doesn't let it get muddy or, or dirty or anything like that. And my concern with, in many places, um, what I would think for using hay outside for long term would be that the hay would get moldy and I'd be worried about the horses ingesting mold. Yeah, I was about to say that too. I didn't say that before, but um, everybody should shake it out a little bit and make sure it doesn't smell musty or moldy. But I think in a, three horses can probably finish that off in a week if you figure 18 or 20 pounds a horse a day. Um, probably would go right away. In, in a cold climate, you probably would not be experiencing too much mold. Okay. Uh, our next question is from Kay in South Carolina, Carolina, and Elaine, I'm going to give this one to you. She wants to know if we should be concerned about the temperature of the bit when we're tacking up our horses in cold weather. Well, I'm a rainer, and we're kind of tough. We just put the bit in their mouth, but I know there's, <laughs> yes, I know, we don't. <laughs> I'm a dressage rider, Elaine. I can't handle yeah. that. <laughs> I know. Well, I think, but but having said that, we do keep our bridles in a heated pack room, so it's not quite that as, as brutal as it sounds. And I think that those uh, bit warmers that I've seen, those sound wonderful. And it makes sense to me that, I mean, I'd rather put something in my mouth that was in the wintertime that was warm instead of something that was cold. So it just kind of logically makes sense. But, uh, 
a lot of times they go in cattle drives and stuff around here. And if I mentioned to the cowboys on those that I had, uh, that I wanted to keep my horses fit for them, they would probably wonder about me. But I think it's a good idea. <laughs> and they're drinking cold water, too, so I'm not sure that it's such an insult to them as much as it would be to us. Oh, well, um, I, I have to say that I do heat my bits up before I ride, um, but I would warn people that if you are putting them in front of a heater, maybe you're, like, when I halt in my trainer's barn and I, I'll take the bit and I'll put it in front of the heater in the bathroom, um, or I'll run it under hot water, but you can actually get those too hot, Um and so I, I would warn people that I would think that it'd be better to put a bit that was too cold in a horse's mouth rather than one that's too hot. Dr. Loving, do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And like I say, as I'm an old endurance rider, I just, I honestly never really thought about warming up a bit. I just put it in, you know, you put it in slowly and let them take it, you know, to shove it in there and their, their tongue's going to warm it as it goes in. Okay, our uh, our next question is for for Doctor Loving, uh, and it's from Claudia in Wisconsin. Uh, Claudia says that last winter was one of the top eleven coldest winters in Wisconsin's history. She says she knows of at least two horses, or has heard of at least two horses that quote unquote cold foundered, one of whom had to be put down. Uh, she said, according to the veterinarians, this wasn't a feeding problem, but a direct result of the severe cold. What exactly happened? Did their feet freeze and cause laminitis? Was the ground too cold? Were they not moving enough? What would cause a horse to cold founder? Dr. Loving, have you dealt with that? Well, I'm going to say this is a good question because I think it, it really emphasizes how we have to be careful with what information is is given to us. I think I, my impression here is that she got this third hand. Um, I live where it's been minus 20 to minus 30 for periods of time. I've never seen this situation in 30 years of practice. I've never even heard of such a syndrome. So I'm wondering if there isn't more to the story, something like the horse has got colitis because of not drinking well or what have you, and then secondarily they develop laminitis. Um, as for the ground, you know, it's hard and frozen any time the temperature gets below freezing for any extended period. So I don't, you know, even if it's 30 degrees out and the ground's frozen hard, I don't know how much harder it can get even at minus 30. The biggest problem I've seen with uh, the feet in winter are packing up the snow and ice balls when the horse is wearing steel shoes. So I have no direct uh, information on this, but I think we really need to, to be careful with what kind of rumors are spread because if she did not get this firsthand, there has to be more to this story. So, Dr. Loving, during cold weather, often compromised horses might struggle more than, than a healthy one. So our senior horses or, or one that has something else going on, could laminitis be secondary to something else that the horse is already struggling with, such as like Absolutely. Cushing's or equine yeah. metabolic syndrome? That's exactly right. And, and it, as I said, it could be something like colitis that starts this, or as you put it, the older horses with Cushing's disease are always on a borderline case of laminitis, it seems. And so... There, there just has to be more to the health issues with these horses. Just being on cold ground is not going to affect them. Um, horses are actually well adapted to cold. They, they prefer to be at something like 20 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. That would be their preferred temperature for their basic physiology. Instead, you know, they live in warm climates. 
um, 80, 90 degrees high humidity. But uh, they shouldn't have any trouble with the, the very cold Wisconsin winter. Our next question uh, might be a good one for a discussion. I'm going to start with Elaine on it, and then Dr. Loving, feel free to join in. This is from Melanie in Pennsylvania, and we also have Diane in New York, and they're both asking about when horses should be closed up in the barn. Uh, Melanie says that she wants to know at what temperatures we should close barns and, and lock our horses up. She said the the bedding is dusty and the indoor ring is dusty, and but the people are cold. She says she wonders about fresh air for the horses. Obviously, keeping the water buckets from freezing is a concern, and closing the doors might be able to, to keep those from freezing. Do you have some guidelines about when a barn should be closed up or when we should leave the doors open and let the air circulate? Uh, Diane's question is, is it okay for a boarding f- for the boarding facility where she keeps her 24-year-old quarter horse to leave one of the 10-foot sliding doors open during the night over the winter months. So we kind of have two opposing questions. Should our horses be locked up or should uh, the doors be open? So Elaine, let's start with you on that. Well, ventilation is probably one of the most important things, I think, for um, designing a horse um, facility and in managing horses in stalls and in barns because their respiratory system is kind of their Achilles heel and they're designed by nature for living in dry, open areas with fresh air um, that's clean. You know, like in areas like where I live in southwestern Idaho or Nevada. Um, So the issue for them is the dampness and the mold and the dust, uh, like from bedding, like she was talking about, or dust from the indoor ring, like what uh, arena that Melanie was talking about. And good ventilation is definitely going to be needed in those kinds of situations. I would say that they should have as much um, open air as possible. My horses have paddocks that they have access to off of their barn, but they have 24-hour uh, 24-7 access between the paddocks and into their stalls in the barn. I do have a big door on the front of my barn, like a garage door. And frankly, I'm, I'm only closing that for my convenience, really. It's to keep everything from inside from blowing around and keep the rain and the snow from blowing in. But the doors to their paddocks are open all the time. And I I have always advocated um, like run-in sheds or any kind of shelter like that where a horse can have really good ventilation. And Dr. Loving, what are your yeah, thoughts? I have, I, have, I have a lot to say. <laughs> um, to start, I just want to say that when you lock these guys up in a warm barn and then you take them out into the cold air, that temperature extreme is very tough on them. And I don't think it's good for, <clears throat> excuse me, good for their health at all. The ventilation, as Elaine said, is essential. Um, I think the only reason to bring a horse inside is if there's icy conditions, which are a threat to their being able to stay on their feet. Um, that would be the only reason I would confine a horse to a, uh, to a facility. And also, if you think about them, if you've ever watched horses in bad weather and they have a shelter available to them, how many have you ever seen go in the shelter? The only time I've seen them use a shelter is for hail, 
and maybe some very severe wind that we get around here. Um, so those are some points. And also, just thinking about the barn environment, uh, it's, it affects people too, but between the dust and the air droplets that contain microorganisms and the endotoxin, as I, I mentioned, the um, manure has bacteria in it, and one of the bacteria that it has is gram-negative bacteria, and their cell wall is called endotoxin, and that circulates in the atmosphere, and it affects people and horses. So whenever possible, I would say get your horse outside, leave them outside as best as possible. I like what Elaine does is they can come in if they want or stay out if they want, and you can have your waterers inside where they can come get that and it would stay unfrozen. So, Dr. Loving, I keep my horses at home outdoors. They have loafing sheds, three-sided loafing sheds that, that are weather breaks for them. They never uh, are, are locked inside. And and I have people who ask me about that because they do feel like horses should, should go inside and be protected from the weather. So, in your opinion, are my horses okay being out even when it's 14 below zero? I think they're better out. In every circumstance, I cannot think of any circumstance to bring a horse in unless, as I said, there's ice. I've seen enough accidents on ice and heard enough about uh, horrific accidents in Virginia where they get terrible ice storms. Um, that would be a time to bring them into a, a flat-level area, at least in a paddock that's fairly ice-free, and or put them into a barn. Our next question is from our live audience. Kristen is in Illinois, and she wants to know, Elaine, if you have any specific recommendations for trailering horses in the winter. This, this is a scary question for me. As she said, should the, the vents be open? Should the horses wear blankets when, when they're in the trailer? She says she doesn't want her horses to get chilled, but she doesn't want them to overheat either. Um, I'm looking at it personally as more of a safety issue. What are some safety guidelines for, for driving our trucks and trailers when it's cold and icy out? Elaine? Wow. Well, yeah, those are, that's a good question. And I know you've had kind of some personal experience with trailing that you might, might be able to speak to with this, but I would say I have studied snow tires on my truck. I have sand in the back of my truck for extra weight. Um, I, when I trailer my horses, I and if I'm going long distances in particular in the wintertime, I check them constantly to make sure that their blanket, under their blankets, I put my hand under their blanket to make sure they're not sweating in, in there. And you definitely want to have... Um, air in the trailer. I open the side windows. I have windows at their head and at their tail. The vents at the top in the wintertime, I usually don't open as at all or as much, especially if I'm going to trailer. You know, well, if I was trailing a long time, maybe I would open those so it wouldn't get humid in there. But you would really want to be careful that the humidity doesn't build up in the trailer uh, from their respiration and cause them to get hot and uh, be poor ventilation for them. But I wouldn't, I, here, I don't, if it's too icy to, for me to feel comfortable about driving my winter car, winter vehicles, I definitely don't take my truck and trailer and horses out. And I I cancel practices for my 4-H kids whenever the roads are a little tentative. I just don't 
think it's worth taking a chance with live animals and and with us humans as well. Uh, and Elaine, I go by the school districts oftentimes. If the school districts are delayed or, or the, the kids aren't going to school, I'm definitely not going to my riding lesson that day. Um, and if there's ice or compact snow, I, I stay home. And I'm a pretty tough winter driver, but when it comes to the safety of my horses, I would rather rather keep them home. Uh, Dr. Loving, do you have any, any thoughts on trailering in the winter? Yeah, well, I just want to add one thing that's not about the trailering so much is... Um one of the best investments people can make if anybody's out there looking to buy a trailer is get an insulated um, top so that the ceiling is insulated. It helps in the winter and it helps in the summer as well. Okay. Good advice. Um, our, our next question is going back to cold horses, uh, Dr. Loving. This is from Deanna in Ohio. And Deanna says or wants to know if horses are at risk for frostbite particularly the ear their ears and their eyes what is an allowable exposure time to the cold and so dr loving i've i've seen a couple horses during my time um that have lost their ears to frostbite do you come across that very often no i think i can count maybe two Mm -hmm. in 30 years um I can see where you could have a problem if, it, if it's wet outside and then you get a lot of wind and they don't have any protection from that. Um, also, if people clip their hair, hair away from the ears, that's, that's rather dangerous. So I think the big general rule here would be to just don't clip the hair away. But if you look at these guys, they're going to turn their backs to the weather and they're going to huddle up as best they can. And I just haven't seen it happen that often. So it's not something I would be super worried about unless you've got a particularly uh, extreme climate. Our next question is from our live audience. CJ is in Ohio and wants to know if heating the barn is a good idea and at what temperature should uh, she keep the barn? She says she has a 22-year-old Arabian who does not grow a thick coat. What is the safest type of heater to use in a barn? Um, Let's start with Dr. Loving. What are your thoughts on actually heating the barn? Well, I think that there's a fire risk when you do that, and as I proclaim all the time, I really like to see these horses outside. I don't think they should be inside, and if they need to be warmer, then I would go ahead and use blanketing, and I would also feed free-choice hay so that they heat themselves from the inside out with the metabolism and digestion of the uh, food that's available to them. Large colon will do a terrific job of generating internal body heat. So I would urge you not to go the route of putting your horse into a heated barn. And Elaine, have you come across any situations where where it was dangerous for the horses because of of the heater in the barn, because of that fire risk? Well, I'm sure it would be a fire risk um, having a heater in the barn if you didn't have the right kind of heater. I'm not familiar with heaters that would be good in barns. I have seen a lot of barns that are heated. And the the thing that I see as a risk is horse health because it gets too too warm and uh, there's and too damp. And you also get a lot of ammonia smell building up really bad in, in heated barns. So I just think it's causes uh, it's at you're at risk for causing a lot of health issues for horses. I can see heating the tack room so your tack doesn't get moldy and so it's, you know, easier for you to, um, you know, step for you to step inside and warm up and 
so that your the bit on on your bridle is not going to be as cold to put it in your <laughs> horse's mouth. But I just don't think that heating a barn is a, a good idea. And I've seen barns in Alaska um, that were operating just fine without being heated. Okay. Uh, we have a question for you, Dr. Loving. Uh, it came in from Dan in Alberta, Canada. And Dan says that he has a thoroughbred stallion coming up from Australia. Of course, Australia is having opposite season that we are currently, so they're in summer. Uh, he says that it's been very cold in his area, negative uh, 25 Celsius, um, and that's the temperature it'll be when the horse arrives. He said the horse will be in an unheated barn. What precautions need to be made to avoid problems for that horse when he's moving from this drastic change from summer to winter? I love this question because I had this very experience myself, not from Australia, but I brought a young Arab gelding to to where I live at 7,000 feet in the mountains of Colorado in February. And he had no shelter here other than a pine tree (laughs) and a a large paddock. And the only problem that he had was he'd never seen ice before. But what I did, I ended up doing was I put a a initial layer of a hollow fill insulated blanket on him, and then I used a Cortex waterproof sheet over the top of that. And he pretty much lived in that for two months, and on warm days I'd take it off. And this is one of those things where you're committed to dealing with the blanketing. But I really didn't have a choice, and he did fine. And then the next year I didn't blanket him, and he grew a good hair coat and didn't need a blanket anymore. So this is completely doable. Um, Minus 24 Celsius, I believe, is around minus 15 Fahrenheit. So that's rather cold. But as long as you acclimate him to being able to drink um, colder water, I think it's probably the biggest obstacle here because the rest of it you can deal with blankets and try to find some sort of a windbreak for him. Okay. And we're just about out of time tonight, but we have gotten lots of questions about blanketing. Um, I'd like to touch on before we close the different kinds of blankets for turnout versus stabling. Uh, Elaine, what are the differences between a blanket that's marketed as a turnout blanket and one that's marketed as a stable blanket. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, uh, Michelle, because it just breaks my heart when I see horses out in pastures with uh, stall blankets on. So stall blankets are usually um, cotton or nylon, and they're meant for horses that are, and they can be insulated, but they're meant for horses that are just living inside and they are not waterproof. And turnout blankets can come in all sorts of different weights. And you can add uh, layers with turnout blankets as well. But they need to be, but they are, um, by definition, they are waterproof and they're more like a Gore-Tex jacket or something that you would get at um a camping store for us. So they are going to be waterproof, but they also have, are made out of breathable material as well. And they're usually a little bit longer and they're not as close cut. They kind of drape down a little bit on the horse's sides so that when water hits it, it'll run off kind of like a raincoat would work on a human. And that's what a horse needs to have when they're outside. Um, you also want to be careful that your horses are not going to get their turnout blankets caught on anything like fencing materials or something in your 
in your pastures or your turnouts. So that would be something to think about. Okay. Well, we are out of time tonight. I want to thank everyone who joined us live to listen and everyone who sent in questions during our live broadcast and ahead of time during registration. I also want to thank our experts, uh, Dr. Nancy Loving. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, Elaine uh, Blickley. Everyone, uh, it's that time of year. We're we are having to deal with winter, but I sure hope that everyone can still go out and enjoy their horses and enjoy their holiday season. Thanks again for joining us tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Holidays, everyone.